Negative, Major Tom. Negative. It is imperative that you remain in the capsule. It, oh boy, there you go. Have you ever had these Toastier Girl Scout cookies? Um, no. <laughs> do you, do you, does, does that, have you never heard of them? No, I've never heard of that. Uh, I, I, I feel like, I don't know how new they are. I feel like I learned about them, if not this year, maybe a previous year, because they look familiar, and I feel like I've heard it before, but it's basically a Girl Scout cookie that is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That sounds pretty good. It's kind of amazing. My only problem is there's just not enough per bag. Well, you know that's that's how they get you. They that those little those little cookie pushers there. They just give you just enough, and then give get you a taste for it. Then you you have to come back over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm ashamed at how much money I would like to spend. I, not that I did spend, but that I would like to spend on Girl Scout cookies. I I am I'm impugning. I'm impugning the uh, the Girl Scout cookie industry. They need to if they if they they were serious, they would sell some more per per go. Otherwise, these these little these little bags that run out in a day. Although I may be telling on myself there, <laughs> if I can demolish a box in like a day. Yeah. Welcome to the Sad Boys Book Club. My name's Dusty, and I spent twenty five dollars on Girl Scout cookies this week. And I'm Daniel, and I've spent zero. Leviathan wakes. What is this part three now? Yes, uh, this is part three of Leviathan Wakes, and uh, yeah, quite a part. We've <clears throat> we've been kind of doing roughly a uh, hundred pages at a go, and this time we decided, uh, you know, so because we realized that we were about three hundred sixty pages away, just about even, we can just you know just bump it up twenty pages um, per uh, per session, and then by by that by that point we you know we can finish it in three instead of four. Yeah. So Yeah, there was a a lot that happened here. Yeah, yeah, last last episode um I said, "Oh, you know, not really too much happened, I guess. You know, maybe some character development, blah blah, you know. But this this was like it was like setting the table for this and yeah, a lot the, <clears throat> a lot of things that we we predicted. So, you know, we are the book knowers. That's why you come here for that sterling analysis. Yeah, I, I find it really funny that, um, and I, I told you this this week while we were reading, that uh, you uh, we were talking about uh, the Rocinante and it coming from Don Quixote and being his horse, and you made the comment about how uh, it seems like Holden and his crew are on a pretty uh, quixotic adventure, mm-hmm. and we get the bit where Miller finds the Rossi, looks into what it is, finds out it's from Don Quixote, and mentions that this whole thing is pretty quixotic, isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, wow, it's like you read ahead. Uh, yeah, that, that was pretty funny. I thought, I'll try to remember our some of our predictions if we come across them while, we, while we're, we're uh, talking about the book. Um, but I probably won't, to be honest. I, but I will try. 
I just remember there was a, there was a couple times when I was like, oh yeah, we we talked about that. I'd be hard pressed to call this so much a prediction more than just an inference based on the structure of the story. Uh, so I don't want to go as far as to say I totally predicted that Miller and Holden were gonna meet up in the plot because I mean that I feel like that's kind of obvious. So I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, I totally predicted that. But yeah, we finally. Got... I will, however. I totally predicted that. Uh, if I, you I recall, figured. I, if you recall, I said he got fired, and that's how they're going to meet up. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm here to take all the credit. Low yeah. hanging fruit, high hanging fruit. It's all this. It's all fruit, baby. We're making the fruit punch right here. And, and that was part of my my reason for for asking you last time. What do you think is next for Miller now that he's fired? Because my whole thought process was he has now been essentially unchained from Sarah station and he can now do whatever he wants. And that is ostensibly what he did. Um, but yeah, we got Miller and Holden meeting up finally. And uh, where we have to, to jump to really quickly, just to where we've ended for this section, uh, Miller is now on the Rossi with the crew, not necessarily a member of the crew, but I feel like that's, that's just unofficial at this point. I think it's just going to continue to have that feeling until maybe the end, and then he'll, he'll they'll be then <clears throat> moving forward. They'll be like, they'll be like this moment, something to the effect of, "Well, I don't have anywhere to go, but I don't know what I'm going to do in the future." And then and then uh, Holden is going to be like, "Well, we need one more person on our crew if you want," and then they'll be like, "Yes," and then that's it. So yeah. you know th- that 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 classic trope. I will say uh, when, obviously, you you get the the whole the Holden chapter when they land on Arrow Station, building up with the whole hey we're being followed by someone, and obviously we know it's Miller, um, mm-hmm. because of the chapter previous, the Miller chapter previous ends with him waiting, being like, all right, if if this is if this is Holden and the crew, if I was right and the Rosinante is Holden then they're going to be coming through one of these doors any minute now. And then the next chapter is, then they came through the doors. So, obviously it was Miller. But the end of that chapter, when they're in the... And we'll go into more detail later. But when they're in the shootout in the hotel, and Miller ostensibly introduces himself in a very uh, explosive manner to the crew, uh, my reaction to that was like if gene parmesan was just revealed to me (laughs) oh my god oh my god it's miller yeah i was just i I, i've been waiting for this man like this is this is i oh it's it's been building for the entire book and it finally happened and it was so perfect i love it It, it's such a great way to bring these characters together the just not just specifically the shootout at the the hotel but the entirety of the arrow storyline and while, like I said, we'll go into more detail in a bit for this, but uh, just to just throw some general thoughts out there, the whole time we have Miller and Holden together, and then at first, you know, you have that, that clash of who's in charge here, Holden's like being super jealous, like, well, hey, I'm the captain here, and Miller's just mm-hmm. just doing what he does, not necessarily trying to usurp any form of control from, from Holden, just being someone who is like, I have more information at least of what's going on in in the not not so much with the uh, the virus uh, from from Phoebe Station, um, not so much with that, but more so with the uh, the riot gear 
uh, thugs that came from Sarah Station, which that that comes back into play, and him having a, an in with one of the cops there, uh, whose name I have somewhat forgotten. It was like uh, Sematimba. Let me flip to that. I don't have my book that, on me. It's it's kind of like that, but let me let me hop back real quick. Yeah, but um, so you have that like the the mistrust and uh almost a dick measuring contest going on with holden miller but then like once that starts to subside a little bit and it's more so about we're in trouble we need to get off the station or we're going to die then it kind of becomes miller and holden working together and there's there's such a great line from uh from naomi when they're in the uh they're in the the maintenance tunnel hiding and miller and holden are just talking to each other like, huh, it'd be smarter for us to wait here for the, the guards to pass and so we can get out free. Yeah, it would be smart if we did that. I'm kind of curious to see what's going on. Yeah, me too. And it, you, you have that little bit going on right there. And Naomi says, uh, you guys are going to be very bad for each other. And by extension, us. And I, <laughs> what a perfect way to, to just completely summarize how I feel the relationship between Miller and Holden is going to be. Yeah, I think I thought that was that was very apt. Um, it was just it was just funny. Like Naomi's just like, oh boy, she she she's she's smart. She knows she knows the score. She already sees exactly what these guys are going to bring out in each other. Yeah, it's great, man. This is and over the course of the last maybe 150, 175 pages we've read, uh, my opinion on Miller has only been growing. I, I've always felt that he was like from the start of the book that he was a character that I was always going to find interesting and engaging but as I had said in I think the first part Naomi was my favorite character so far and she is still a great character she's been consistently great the whole way through and I love her her relationship with the crew of the Rosie uh individually like Holden and Holden and her have a great relationship Amos and her have a great relationship Alex is just kind of there but whatever um, <laughs> he just he comes in to say, "Hey y'all, there's a problem" or something like that or, "What?" <laughs> you know, just, he he's just he's kind of that character which you usually see in like TV shows, but it's it's uh in, in books it's kind of like harder because you're you're reading and you're like, "Where did he go?" Yeah, as you of know? right now, it feels like he's important to the crew, but he's not important to the plot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think as of now, Miller is my favorite character, followed by Naomi. I just, I love him. He's so great. His story is so fascinating. And you get uh, everything building up to him, finding the crew, how he finds the crew, how they interact together once they're together. And all, everything going on behind the scenes with Miller. The things that we only get when he's the perspective character. Uh, with his relationship with the imaginary Julie in his mind and his way of thinking of things how like we get to see his analytical investigative brain and we also get to see the emotional side of him where all of these things are going wrong and how he's kind of coping with it and it's just he's such a great character he's so well written he's so well expressed and his his motivations are just really well crafted they're well thought out they're really well executed he's just he's just such a great character i i i'm so happy every single time 
I'm reading a Miller chapter. Which isn't to say that I'm I'm not reading the Holden chapters being like, Alright, come on, let's get back to Miller already. They're 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 great too. And there's there's a lot we could talk about about Holden too being a great character. But I just Miller's my favorite character right now. I think Miller Miller is a little bit more of a rich text in terms of what's going on with him mentally and um yeah his sort of experiences how they've kind of shaped him to be who he is now um holden is kind of he's not bad by any means um but he he does he does read a bit more uh generic sci-fi good guy um whereas miller has a little bit more texture to him by virtue of being a little bit of a screw-up um, being a little bit of an alcoholic, um, his ambivalence to killing, but his also questioning, like, is that a ba- that's kind of a bad thing? I, I really, why, why am I like that? You know, there's the, he's a little bit more of a, a an interesting character to read about from that perspective. Yeah, he's just he's he seems a much to have more, a little bit more of an eternal life. He's a much more dynamic character. I feel like is a way to to word it. Yeah, and and speaking of Miller, he he is basically our, our opening point of view character uh, for this. So I guess where we find him is he's kind of kicking around the station after being fired. Um, he's <clears throat> he he's kind of seeing the way things are going. He's seeing like, you know, the the station's kind of moving towards this. You know, and I, and I know we say this often, but if you're you're reading along, or if you've read this book in the past, you you'll see like <clears throat> it's continuously mentioned, like this buildup of anti-Martian sentiment. Like at the beginning, he's he's trying to get these. He's walking and he's seeing this uh, this riot kind of forming, or and, and there's like these speakers that are that are you know speaking very eloquently and passionately about. You know things like freedom and you know self determination and things of that nature about you know and, and basically just <clears throat> at this point a fairly a fairly anti Mars sentiment and he sees some teenagers going there and he knows it's kind of going the based on his his perception of the crowd it's going to get out of control and he's kind of uh, kind of asking them not to go and that you know it's it's not a good idea. And they're just kind of, but they're just, they just kind of brush him off. But that is kind of showing like, he, he, I guess, I guess it just kind of feels like he, I think he feels like he's kind of lost his place. He doesn't really have any, um, any authority. You know, he's just not really, I, it just feels like he's not, um, this, this is no longer the place for him anymore. He's lost his job. You know, he just doesn't seem to be fitting in with the current, uh, cultural moment that's going on uh on on uh, sarah station uh this is something that i remember that that you alluded to that it was confirmed um the opa at this point has kind of assumed control of the uh the sarah's government um you were kind of talking about like the is this some sort of opa sort of um soft coup or something of that nature and uh that does appear to have been the case you know like the opa does seem to be running the show at the moment um i predicted that i was right exactly promises made promises kept medium hanging fruits i'm taking it (laughs) we're the literature boys we are the book knowers you so so anyway they were so they um 
So that's kind of that's kind of the the vibe that's going down. Anyway, he gets a call um, from Havelock, and that's basically just like a. Um, it's kind of like a a not so well disguised um, uh, exposition dump to kind of give you the broader state of the galaxy, but it's okay because it's it's interesting information. It's you know he's basically confirming another thing that we were talking about that Earth is Earth is viewing this conflict as um, really too dangerous to be too heavily involved in. So they're they're pulling out and they're saying they're they literally said. You know, despite how much money they could be losing getting out of the Ceres station and other stations that could even be conceived to be as part of this um, broader conflict, um, they're they're just they're hedging their bets and they're like, okay, well, we're gonna go ahead and try to turtle down and try to stay out of this. Um, see, I'm trying to remember what else he he mentions. Uh, he mentions putting in a good word for him at a different job that uh, Havelock got, but. I'm gonna be honest. I, I kind of stopped paying attention to Havelock a little bit. Like I, he pops up a couple times on phone calls in this during this section, but I'm, I couldn't tell you where he works now or what what the whole deal was. Oh, but I, I just remember you weren't paying attention then because I was gonna ask you. Do you remember what company he's working for now? No. See, I I, I, I that completely slipped my mind. He's working. Maybe for... I would pay attention at the. Oh, go ahead. He's working for Protogen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's they, they, that's important now. Okay, well, I'm see, and this is why it's good to do. This is why it's kind of nice to have a have the the the, the book club because yeah. you you know we can we can catch these little things that might slip slip up by us as soon as as soon as later on when when uh, Miller got the information from the thug that uh, Protogen was the one that uh, set them up for that. Uh, the at arrows i was like oh shit isn't that who havelock's working for right now that that was okay yeah that that's actually pretty cool well i'm glad i mentioned that because otherwise that reveal probably would have caught me a little bit flat-footed i do feel but like i really should cool. double check and make sure that is what he i remember him bringing up protogen for sure but i'm okay. i feel like mm. i should double check that all the same but i remember check, him saying check he was page 206 that's that's my notes from that part yeah, it looks like 206 is when he's talking to talking to Havelock. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've signed on with Protogen Security, big company, private army bullshit, but the pay is worth putting up with their delusions of grandeur. Yep. And there's 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 the, the thing next thing he says is the contract's supposed to be on Ganymede, uh, but with crap playing out the way it is now, who knows who knows how it'll go. Uh, turns out Protogen's got a training base in the belt. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe Ganymede. Keep an eye on on that and see. You know, maybe maybe uh, Havelock comes back into play, uh, or maybe the the story the plot kind of goes towards Ganymede at some point. Yeah, I do feel like all of these named locations on the map on the inside cover of the book are important, at least somewhat. Though, like I said. You can see Titania over on Uranus. and Is it Uranus? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so I'm looking and we've got all of the belts, the belt locations that are named, and those are important locations so far in the novel, and all these other moons, and obviously Earth and Mars. And then I see that and I'm like, is that going to be a thing later? I think I said this last week too. So, I, I, think, I think it's probably, you know... 
most of them will be, but maybe some will some will not, and they'll be more important in like subsequent um, books. Because this this goes this series goes on for like it's like eight books, right? It's and nine. then like a couple short nine, okay, and like a few short stories too on top of that. So I don't know, maybe maybe they hit all these locations, or maybe like those are just kind of generally important locations uh, in the story. The broader story. I mean, not just not just Leviathan Wakes. Yeah, I mean, it could very well just be something like they're on Phoebe Station and they're like, "Oh, all of this came from Titania, and that's why it's important." It could be something like okay. that. That that I I don't know. I I feel like it's named for a reason on the map, and that reason could very well be something that it gets mentioned and it's important for some reason but it's not somewhere they go i don't know this is just once again a theory or a prediction that the names mean something why would you not put titania in the book if it's on the map that's fair i think that that's probably the best way to look at it i'm i'm just i'm just i don't know i i'm i'm of the opinion that there's that's a lot of that's a lot of locations um for, like things like Mercury and Venus, I just don't foresee them really coming into the play of this. Um, well, that's a little different. I mean, you gotta show the planets at this point. You gotta because you could, I guess, I guess so. have the balls there. I think naming the planets is different than naming a specific moon on a planet or a specific station on the belt. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um... But anyway, getting getting back to our old pal um, Miller, he's he's uh, so he's he's still looking into this case, and um, he managed to get back about three quarters of his data requests uh, before they pulled access on him after he uh, after he got the hook. So so he's reviewing it, and um, I don't know in in a, in a stroke of astonishing luck. He stumbles upon um, a shipping log uh, for the the Rocinante, um, which is uh, described in the in the um, records as being a gas hauler. Um, But what's interesting here that he's that he kind of picks up is that it's going between two um, gas consumers. Gas, yeah, gas consumers import. They're they're importing their gas. Um, rather than an export, so he he finds that to be um, pretty notable. He so he's he starts to kind of dig down, you know what what is what is going on, and that's when he actually makes the Don Quixote uh, Paris uh, comparison. Yeah, and that's I think I think on top of because he was about to delete the entry and move on to the next ship because there was nothing really to see. It was the OPA ostensibly screwing up and having a go, having them go from, is it palace? 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 I I don't know. Let me look again. I I just, I don't remember. I just remember the broad strokes, but I just know they were going from somewhere to arrows. I I thought it was Tycho, but I'm I'm not sure. No, they were going, I think the log was, they were going from palace to Tycho. And that was what made him pause all of a sudden where he was like, wait a minute. Why would a gas hauler go from gas consumer to gas consumer? That's just not how you make money. That's weird. Hmm. And that, I that's... do think that is a little bit of a leap, though. That's like, I mean, 
is it weird? Yeah, probably. But there could, there, I mean, there could just as easily be like an actual reason for it. Like, I don't know. Maybe they need to do a, get a specific repair done at one port. Maybe it, it's changing hands. You know, maybe you know, it's it's. I, I feel like that. I would I would need a little bit more to go on uh, before I I decided. Oh, yep, there it is. There it is. There's the OPA front ship. Maybe I I don't know. I'm not. I'm by no means an expert on anything like that. Well, I mean, it's a good observation. It is a good observation. I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm just saying that I feel like uh, we we got a little bit. I mean, he he got his he his hunch turned out correct. So I guess I can't say too much. But it does feel like he jumped the gun just a little bit. I don't really feel like that's out of character for him to have just ostensibly jumped the gun like that. He even says to himself. I'm taking a real gamble here. I only really have enough money to to see this through once. And if I'm wrong, then, well, I guess I'm just going to have to look for work again. And, yeah, it is it is convenient that he finds the Rossi and it's, it's exactly what he needs. And he gets the info from Havelock that, hey, by the way, they're going to, which we'll get into that too, uh, they're going to Eros, not Tycho. So for him to change course to Eros... Uh, it, I guess I guess th- there are some levels of plot convenience there, but I'm willing to to forgive it because the work was done to lead Miller to this point, and I feel like it necessarily wouldn't have been the most interesting thing to have like two chapters where it's really just about him narrowing it down specifically to the Rosi because we we knew that he was going to find them. Like, obviously, he was going to, to, to find them in some manner and make his way to them. The question wasn't if, it was when. And the way it was handled, yeah, maybe there was a little bit of ass-pooling going on, but I can I can hand-wave a lot of it because he's proven that he's, he's competent when he tries, and he was given the information he needed to find them. All he needed to do was put the pieces together, and maybe he did it a little quickly, but it's fine because it leads the plot. It lets the plot move a little more fluidly rather than just having more of him being on Saris just waiting for something to do I think that's fair uh you know maybe and maybe there was in the past like in like in an original edit of this book uh there maybe that went on a little bit longer but they're like they you know I'm going through it and and you know you edit it down you start to look and try to put only in you know the the parts that you feel are are most needed or really drive the plot so maybe it was just something like that, and he just and they just uh, made the made that kind of made that that editorial decision, which you know, I mean, my minor minor nitpicks aside, I think there's that probably was the right pick from an editorial and uh, plot pacing standpoint. Uh, but also, I just want to throw out that I think at this point, and I don't know that he's we we've talked a little bit about how he has this sort of. Um, imaginary version of Julie Mao that he kind of has with him and he even starts to kind of see um, hallucinate I guess is the best way to put it but it is like a visual hallucination of, of Julie and and he's now now at this point he's starting to talk to it and it's starting to talk to him uh, which is I, I, I you know it's not like hugely um influential to the plot at this point but I did find it notable and just wanted to bring it up because it is something that starts to happen in this section of the book 
and I'd like to see uh, that's another thing that I should have mentioned when I was talking about how Miller is a little bit of a, a more interesting character you know start to see or I want to see uh, how it all shakes out but yeah that's that's it for Miller and his and his portion uh, there and then we, we cut back to uh, to Holden and this is this is a part you know I'm gonna say it not a fan of Holden in this part very not a fan of Holden it's just he's just so annoying he's just got this like silly annoying grind set can't sit still mentality that i find very um uh, very annoying if i was if i were i'm i'm picturing myself in the place of like amos or alex or naomi and he's like okay well we gotta get off the ship we gotta go somewhere we gotta do this we gotta do that they've been there for like two days or like three days or so, so a, a very small amount of days less than a week and he's just bugging out, pacing, kind of like wheedling and pleading for them to leave. And I'm just, I'm like, dude, just shut up. Just enjoy, enjoy being put up in a very nice hotel by the OPA. Just relax, eat your grapes, eat your, you know, your, go, go down, you know, play a few hands of blackjack in the casino. It's just, just chill. All right, man, just, just calm down a little bit. Well, I mean, to be fair, he had been taking the canterbury well okay we i can only say this by only knowing his internal dialogue about it but seemingly he had been taking the canterbury in a lot of ways worse than some of the others which is not to i i feel like everybody is still struggling with it but i think the crew is trying to find distraction and relaxation to try and not fixate on it but Holden, he still has a lot of emotions about the Canterbury. I mean, you know, rightfully so. A lot of people died just weeks ago at this point, including the woman he was seemingly in love with at the time. So I can understand him feeling trapped on Tycho, especially given that they really are they're they're in a gilded cage i just want to state for the record that it would have been much better for them had they stayed in the gilded cage sure it would it would have been better for them but it wouldn't have been better for the plot and that's what i care about but <laughs> yeah so i can understand him feeling like a prisoner and not wanting to be about that especially after the whole point after they got the Rosi was we're going to make our own rules we're going to live our own lives and yeah they were living in luxury sure but that's such cope though like this like oh we're gonna make our own rules we're gonna it's it's just a very immature um look at at, at the reality there there is there the way that they're they live in their society there's there is no we make our own rules like everything is run by corporations you know, and you, you, they, they live in a, um, the OPA, they're, they're, they're doing their best, but the, the they're mostly just living in these, like, very, um, like, mili- they're caught between the militaristic Martians and these, like, this, this, like, total corporatocracy of, of the belt, of the belt stations. It's just not realistic to, like, go, go play pirate in the, in the belt and then, it's just like what what is what is the point? You know, like there is there is no 
And it would be different if he had some sort of like broader vision for what he wants to do or like grand design or like ideological backing or just anything other than nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's just like, okay, dude, cool. Yeah, there's good luck with that. There certainly is a bit of childishness involved in in his in his decision making but he's just been through two major tragedies and he's had all of this responsibility forced upon him and i don't think he was necessarily ready for it but he was the only one that feasibly could take up the mantle so i feel like all of that and him i don't know if it's necessarily guilt i don't know if he's feeling guilty about the canterbury because I don't know, maybe he's having survivor bias, or survivor guilt, Yes, yeah, he definitely does have survivor's guilt. Yeah, so a, a big part of this is he wants to find the ship still that, that destroyed them, and now, as he said it, now we have the teeth for it. So, I but can they understand. Don't. They, it just, they just don't. But he saw, the, he saw the, the borders, how much power they were dealing with. If the, the Martian, um, if the, the Doniger can't deal with it, he doesn't have the power in his, you know, in his little uh, gunship, you know. It's just, I don't know. I just, I found him very frustrating to read. Not in a bad way. I mean, th- I'm not saying that it was bad writing or anything. I'm just saying that I just fundamentally disagreed with his um, decision making. So it's not like, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, well, the character did something I disagree with. So, you know, everything is, is ruined for me. It's just... It's um, I, I'm not I'm not really like that, but I I just so I I appreciate and I like where the plot does end up going. Don't get me wrong, but it just just reading it is just like, yeah, I'm I'm just still not at a place where I really like uh, Holden as a as a character, or I feel like I would like to be around him. I think he is an interesting character in the sense that he makes uh, decisions that are interesting to the plot, certainly. But it's just like, man, I, I, I wish I could I had a, a major character that I was really down with. I mean, the closest I get is, is Naomi. And I like her, but she's not really like a... She's she's a bit of a side character. The, we, the, both, both of the POV characters are... are uh, yeah, she's not one of the POV characters is the point. Yeah, and I do feel like this, this, this book is supposed to be the vehicle of of Holden's character growth because I, I do still feel like he's got a lot of growing to do because we even see it on Eros with his his brash decision making that Miller's just like what do you what the hell are you doing why why and he's still making really just dumb calls and not really thinking about the safety of his crew as much as he should be so I, I do feel like this is all supposed to be part of him growing as a character and eventually becoming a suitable captain, the captain that he is supposed to be, someone that McDowell would be proud of as following in his footsteps. I think that's all part of the building, uh, building up the, the path to that. But, I mean, that's true. I mean, Luke Skywalker was just kind of a whiny, whiny farm boy until basically the end of um of a new hope so you know i mean there there is there is potential for growth i'm just so i don't mean to say anything 
too negative. I'm just saying that he's he's got some growing to do still. Yeah, and I do think that that is the point. I, I don't think we're necessarily supposed to be thinking, even if you like Holden at this point, which I, I do like Holden. I think he's a great character, and I think he's got great potential as a character. But... I'm even sitting here thinking, I'm agreeing with Miller a lot of the time, being like, dude, Holden, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, just just mm-hmm. take a step back and, and let someone more competent take control for a minute. And I understand it's it's his sense of responsibility and it's his sense of doing what he thinks is right, but it is it is getting in his own way sometimes, and that's something I think he needs to grow out of. Well, you know, and the, to, to, to be fair, you know, this is, that is true. There's a lot of people that are really like that they're you know they they want to be their own person they're not quite ready to take the reins you know that kind of thing so it's it's not like he is a poorly written character i i hope i've i've gotten that across but it's just it's just one of those things like when you're you're when you're in his mind your point his point of view you're like well i i don't know that i like what the i don't agree with his his decision making or his viewpoint here but anyway, he kind of uh, he he goes on and he um, he he's kind of he's kind of wheeling. He the, he kind of prom- gets the crew to be they they kind of get him to calm down a little bit. Uh, be like, okay, well, let's just wait a week. Let's just let's just relax a little bit. Let's you know let let's let things you know take care of themselves. And then um, he but he basically goes behind all their backs and all and goes to. Uh, to Fred's office, which I, I found this pretty amusing, where he um, he says that this office is um, big and intimidating. He refers to uh, Fred's office as big and intimidating, but it is only. Uh, let me see if I can find that passage. Two and a half square meters. Do you want to know how big that is in square feet? Uh, not perfectly. Uh, two and a half. Twenty-six square, square feet. Yeah, that's not big. So I th- I thought that was kind of humorous, and I think that was meant to be humorous, by the way, or or at least show uh, a difference in perspective. It's just like this idea, like this guy, you know, working out of a closet, and and he's like, "Wow, this is this is such a big office." It's so I'm so intimidated by this big office, but you know, like like again, like we said, they they kind of have to. Uh, you have to be very judicious about your use of space in space. Um, so anyway, he, he basically, um, he's talking to, to Fred and it starts off, uh, you know, laid back enough, but, um, Fred kind of lets slip that, you know, things are, are going, are not going so well, uh, for the OPA from this perspective. They're getting a lot of, um, and this is one of the travails of like these kind of, um, a problem with with like a very decentralized organization like the OPA seems to be, um, you've got people that are going on these like um, pirate broadcasts, which are like you know these unofficial, unlicensed broadcasts, and they're basically claiming to speak for the OPA. <clears throat> and although, and and they're they're saying um, like they're they're ginning up this kind of outrage and they're. They're trying to get some like irregular forces and just people out in out in the belt to start attacking uh, Martian vessels, Martian freighters, that kind of thing. And it's it's kind of creating this problem where war is becoming more and more inevitable from that standpoint because the Martians are now starting to get a little twitchy and they're shooting and they're they're shooting sooner 
and but it's also this situation where you know you're getting all these belters wound up it's just it becomes this feedback loop of aggression um and this might speak to there being and like we've kind of talked about in the past or speculated about this idea of like a secondary um, OPA faction that is uh, maybe has a more um, militant posture, a little bit more aggressive posture than does, you know, uh, people like Fred and Dawes, you know. Uh, but I, I, I think that I'm, I take Fred at least for now at his word that these are just kind of like um, just like but these broadcasts that are by people just claiming OPA but are not really uh, actually uh, part of the membership of the of the organization. Uh, so anyway, they're they're kind of talking about that, and they he he keeps he kind of wheedles Fred into like, oh you know maybe we could go do something or you know maybe we could go somewhere and then and then Fred Fred um, is like no don't do that we don't need you to do that just please just stay here. In this very nice, these very nice um, setup we got for you, just relax. You know we're gonna we're still working on on getting the um, on getting this trial together, and um, he he really he's he starts he it starts kind of friendly, but then it, it basically um, Holden doesn't know when to quit, so he just keeps going until the point where he's it, it becomes a little bit of a confrontation, and he says something really really cringe um something like well actually they at the at some point um fred is like hey okay we we do need to use the the rocinante though we need to make a we need to make a run to aero station uh to go pick someone up and uh there's there's a there's a that's that's when um holden's like oh 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 yeah well we could do that yeah how about how about we do that and then the, that's when the back and forth about, well, no, just just stay here, you know, that kind of thing. And um, at this point, at, at some point, he uh, says something like, that was really cringe. It was like, look, you're the big dog here. Even if I didn't know who you used to be, you'd scare the shit out of me. So don't feel the need to prove it. But no matter how scared I am, I am not backing down on this. Uh, Fred's hoped-for laughter did not come. And I was like, dude, please, have, have a little... Have like a, a modicum of dignity here, please. Do not. I don't know. I, I, I'm just not not vibing with uh, not vibing with Holden right now. But anyway, he he continues to wheedle this guy until he finally gets his way, um, and they decide to um, disguise the Rocinante uh, with with some um, like containers, these fake containers, to make it actually look like a like a gas hauler. And uh, so that that's kind of cool, um, like this idea of it's it's kind of it's kind of souped up into this uh, other, you know, it, it changes the form factor. And they say something like, "So yeah, some pirate out there is going to get a nasty surprise," you know. I, I don't know. It's just I I think that's kind of cool. The I, maybe that's that's uh that speaks to the uh, the juvenilia in me, but I just like the idea of this um, ship that's disguised as one thing and then. It's boom surprise! It's an attack ship. It's it's the it's the Transformers effect, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, it's it's super presumptuous of Fred to be like, "Hey, uh, gonna need your ship for a mission, so I'm just gonna have a crew use your ship." 
I, I think it's totally fine for Holden to be like, you need my ship, you need my crew then. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. I think Fred should have said, okay, well, I'm not asking. You're going to be now under lock and key. <laughs> but that's just maybe that's just because I'm annoyed with Holden right now. But at that point, Holden would just be like, all right, cool, find another ship then. Well, I mean, if they just take it, <laughs> there's not a lot they can do about it. But I, I don't know. I just, I just I I think I think there's 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 both have a little bit of a of a point. Like I don't think I think it was a a silly and unnecessary risk to um, send Holden on this mission, especially when when things come out the way that they as we will see they they go way worse than possible anyone possibly could have imagined. Um, but I do think there is there is a little bit of uh, maybe over bureaucracy. A little, I think I think that um, Fred Johnson needs to kind of he needs to start to act a little bit. He needs to do one of two things. He either needs to like really put the hammer down on the Holden crew and be like, no, like you guys are here. Basically, your your entire lives are under my purview. So you need to you're gonna go along with it and you're gonna. Well, it doesn't even matter if you like it. You're going to do it. Or he needs to cut them in a little bit more and, and give them a little bit more rope, a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more... Um, keep them in the loop so that they feel like they're more partners in the thing. They need, He needs to pick a path. This sort of like middle path goes to this point where you end up with this situation where he's, you know, he's he sends them off on this on this mission that... Uh, by all rights, should have been a suicide mission. Well, uh, as we will see. I don't think it's fair to say it should have been a suicide mission. I'm, Fred definitely thought that there were some risks involved, but I don't think he was expecting it to be what it was. Because I, yeah. I don't think anybody could have, to be fair. But that's that's what I'm saying. I'm like there. What I what I've, I kind of mentioned that earlier is like. It went worse than anybody could have possibly imagined. Yeah, but Fred did get what he needed out of them, to be fair. One of the things that he had Holden agree to in order to have them accept the mission was you record your depositions and you sign that it's it's valid. So he doesn't necessarily need them in person for this hypothetical trial if he has their signed... Uh, depositions for it anyways I imagine having them I in mean, person would be better but he has technically I, what he needs at this point in a very technical standpoint but I mean I mean I'm just 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 thinking about the trial just imagine you you get these guys on the you know you get the guys uh, who who perpetrated this on the stand and they're like and these people had this to say about you know about the crime and then it's just there's they're signed deposition and you you can't ask follow-ups the the any good um any good person that was defending the people that committed this atrocity would would make hay of that being like okay well so where are they then you know why aren't they here you did you know why aren't they here to back up their testimony or to you know all all that stuff they're like okay they're dead well then how do you how do we know this isn't fake you know they're they're especially if it's like an there, there's like a an intra party um, trial where like where there's there's uh, stakes involved in both parties like uh, 
impugn, especially you know in this case, impugning the other and trying to pass the blame. If there's if if they can't come to a a, a reasonable understanding of the facts, which I I think the actual presence and availability of the witnesses, you know, at least you know, in the minds of the whoever is going to decide the case. I mean, we 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 know to a certain extent the facts as viewers of the story through the the, the lens of being like book readers. But if, if if people are actually in that moment, I think I think they're more likely to listen to uh, real people rather than here's a signed piece of well not paper probably i don't know space paper a signed pdf that says you know whatever happened i think i think there's there is a value to having them there to and to have them there to uh, elaborate on certain points sure it would be better if they were there in person and th- this is me extrapolating what i assume the 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 path of the series is going to go down and I don't think it's fair to put this expectation on any of the characters, but I'm feeling like the trial is never even going to come close to happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely like, I mean, th- as, as a reader, we can assume that, but in that world, you should, if you're, at least if you're Fred, you should assume the trial is going to happen. <laughs> but as a reader, I, I have no, I have no confidence that the trial will will ever occur at any point and that being said i don't suspect fred would have allowed them to leave if he thought they were in any real form of danger i i think he definitely thought that this was gonna go a lot smoother than it ended up being i think Um, he thought it was suspicious but nothing that would have been majorly life-threatening but yeah, that that's that's kind of the um, that's kind of the end of uh, of of Holden until we get to the story, and that's 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 just kind of how Holden um, wraps up his story, like pre the big event of uh, of the of the preceding chapters. So Miller, he he has Havelock. He sends him the information on the Rosinante in his reply to his first video asking him just to keep an eye on it using his the intel that he can get and let him know if anything changes and he buys a ticket to Tycho to go try and meet up with them and as he's about to board Havelock sends him a message being like hey they just left Tycho station and are heading to Eros and he's like oh okay <laughs> so he gets a partial refund on his ticket buys another ticket which costs most of his remaining money not most but I think it was a third and hops on a on a on a shuttle to Eros instead, and so this is kind of jumping back a little bit to him being fired and him spending this couple of days post firing. Do would do you think it would be fair to say that when he was fired from Star Helix, more than just his job was taken from him, his home was taken from him? You mean like home as a concept, not home as yeah okay. yeah yeah um. I do think I think that is to a certain extent, like because I think that was his his emotional tie to the station because he he's in this portion. There's a couple of things that he says that are, I think are quite telling. Um, he says that he's a and he's like in his like early fifties, right? Something like that. Yeah, like late forties, early fifties, something like that. He he said that he's only been off station five times in his life, which you know 
it's not a whole lot, especially when you consider how small the station is compared to like a, just even you know like a, a city, you know, on on Earth. If you think about it, that's he's been living his entire life in this very, for the most part, in this very small contained environment. Um, and then he, but that's that's kind of what he knew. That's what he came to. If not love, it, it just it enculturated into. Um, but he also talks about um, he. He also mentions that he starts to at some point he feels relief when he's thinking about like I'm finally leaving Saris, and you know I can understand that from a certain point. I think I think most people have felt that before. Like this, you know, finally leaving somewhere where they've kind of felt stuck, or or trapped, or they're just ready to move on. You know, it's just there. There is a certain feeling of relief when you you finally can turn that page. Yeah, and he he when he's talking to the the reverend or the the the, the preacher, whatever he was, on the shuttle, he does kind of have that realization when uh, the preacher guy asks him more or less, uh, "Are you are you gonna miss it?" And he 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 comes to that realization and he just starts laughing. And the preacher guy's like, "Did I?" Did I say something funny? I'm sorry. And I think that's what that was, is Miller having that that complete disconnect with what was, for his entire life, his home, and knowing that now he's ostensibly a nomad. Mm-hmm. The, the space hobo. So, Miller makes it to Eros first, and it's this giant... It's, it's the original Belter asteroid community, I guess. The, the first, or like, the original station, and it's only really used for... Uh, ship repairs and it's massive casino, so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a half business half pleasure kind of place. So he gets there first, yeah. and he's waiting for them. And they get there and they have to go to a hotel. And we we didn't go into this. The reason why they're going there, this person that they're supposed to pick up, it's a person that doesn't exist technically. It is the pseudonym. No, not not a pseudonym. It is the imaginary name of an imaginary person who owned the Scopuli. And that was a red flag for Fred, and that's why he's like, we need someone to go to this hotel and find the person that checked in under this name. I forgot what the name was. It's not super important. I need someone to go and figure that out. So they're going to head to the hotel. Uh, so the, the crew gets there, and they're heading to the hotel, and they're being tailed by what we understand is Miller. And it is Miller. And they make it to the hotel, and there is a prostitute there just kind of chilling. And they go to the the kiosk to try and see if the person that checked in is still there. And the prostitute holds them up and is like, hey. Was it a prostitute? Well, they, they think it was. They, 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 uh, or Holden thinks it is. He, he sees her as a, a prostitute that's nearing the end of her viable age. Wow, harsh. Yeah, uh, you know, that's just... <laughs> so, she holds them up with at gunpoint, Amos pulls his gun on her, and suddenly a bunch of dudes burst from the stair- stairwell, light them up, but end up only lighting up the prostitute instead, and a major gunfight ensues. Yeah, that that was that was pretty wild. Like, they, I, I, they, they, they really had... Um, that was uh, a very surprising moment to me to see the, the, the only people that they ended up killing were was their own person that they had trying to uh trying to take them 
trying to take Amos in. They were, they were even saying something. I remember they were like, hold your... Try, they kept yelling, hold your fire at first. But then I think one of their guys freaked out and, and, and started shooting. And the whole thing went sideways from there. Well, what it was was Amos was returning fire. So they, they kind of had to keep shooting. Oh, really? I, 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 did, I, I guess I forgot that Amos started shooting at them first. Which, I mean, why wouldn't he? Let's be real here. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a very it's a pretty surprising situation when people with they 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 roll up with like they with these guns and start pointing them at you. It's it's going to be pretty yeah, it's going to go sideways pretty quickly. Yeah, so they're starting to be flanked by someone and Alex is just he's he's there technically, but he's he's <laughs> not. And Holden's like, "Alex, you got to take care of the dude that's flanking us." And then the dude gets killed and they're like, "Whoa, what?" And they see Miller, who's there and firing in the stairwell. So Holden's like, hey, don't shoot the dude in the hat that's been following us. He's 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 here. So they, 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 they take, they don't, they kill, I think, four people total, and the rest of the guys, uh, they retreat. So then we have our big climactic meetup between Holden and Miller where he's like, I'm Miller, are you a cop? Uh, well, no, I'm not. But we need to call the cops. So Miller calls his, his buddy, um, I think you're right. It was Sumatimba. Yeah, he calls him and he's like, "Hey, uh, well, you should know what happened already, huh?" And he's like, "No, what?" And he's like, "Well, there, there were some shots fired at this hotel." And he's like, "Anybody dead?" And he's like, "Or he's like, were there, he's like, were there shots fired?" And he's like, "Yeah, a few." So, <laughs> uh, he learns that was why pretty amazing. That that was a great little retort, and he decides that they should go check out the room itself. And so they go down the hallway. And make it to the room. Nothing has happened again yet. They get inside. The room's been trashed. And in the bathroom. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they end up finding the corpse of Julie Mao. And she is in quite a state. Um, yeah, she is. <laughs> it's it's actually quite um, unpleasant, you know, everything that, that's happened to her. She's, um, she has, like, these strange and repulsive growths coming out of her uh they there it talks about coils of complex growth spilled from her mouth and eyes like all of her orifices there's like these weird tendrils coming out and her her ribs and spine had grown spurs like knives that stretched her pale skin ready to cut themselves free of her a deep brown slush leaked from her filling the shower pan almost three centimeters high and to that, I, I have to say, Jesus Christ. Could you imagine coming into some scene like that? That would be that would be nightmare, nightmarish. Yeah. And then uh, uh, something that happened before that, too, is Miller found her hand terminal and bagged it up in an evidence bag without touching it. Oh, yeah. And put that aside. Yeah, I think. Well, I think. Um, yeah, he did. He did. That and then so that was that was pretty that was pretty just horrible. I had to go back and and read that a couple times, like or maybe at least one other time because I was just like I, I moved on to the next page and there to the point where he's he's talking with his his uh, his fellow well his former fellow police officer and uh, I was just like I need to go. did I really read and then <laughs> I just there it is and, and they were talking about how like there's like these black marks like in the bed they're seeing them on the wall and it's just it it's is gruesome. just like it is gruesome it is like 
Resident Evil 7, like, or or just any kind of, like, body horror you care to imagine. Like, that kind of stuff. It is it is the stuff of nightmares. Um, but anyway, Miller, you know, he's, he's at this point, they're, they're together. And Miller's kind of trying to cool things over with Simatimba. He's, he kind of tells him, like, hey, you know, we, ha- we, these guys got ambushed, um, but we think they, we think they're tied into, with the cops somehow. And, um, the, the reason, the reason he, he guesses that is because Sematimba and, and nobody, nobody at the, the, with the police knew what had happened. They didn't hear, they hadn't heard about the gunshots until Miller himself had, uh, had tried, had made that contact. So there, there is something there. That's a kind of our first clue that there is something um, really amiss going. Well, the first clue was the the, the festering corpse of, of Julie Mao. But the second, <laughs> the second clue was was the fact that the the police seem um, unaware of this really uh, high intensity. Like we're talking hundreds of gunshots, and they 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 nobody heard of anything about it. So anyway, that's kind of that's kind of how they 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 kind of get that figured out. And as they're kind of leaving, um, Naomi kind of pulls aside um, Holden, and she kind of they because they, they've kind of butted heads a little bit, as as Dusty alluded to earlier. You know the the doing the whole you know who's who's in charge thing that you know some some guys <laughs> like to do when they they uh, run into each other. Uh, and she she kind of was like, hey, you know, maybe let's go just back off on Miller just a little bit. You know, I, I think I think he and he actually knew Julie, and you know, he's he's probably affected by that right now. Um, which again, showing again why Naomi is one of my is probably my favorite character. She just shows like this real emotional intelligence that no one else really shows. Um, so she's she's just a cool character. Um, anyway, after that, uh, Miller and Naomi, they break into Julie's little, little comm device, um, her little terminal, hand terminal, they call it, and thankfully, they have the presence of mind to touch it, operate it through the, the, the sleeve, the bag that they have, the evidence bag, and, um, they, they find out, um, well, one, that Julie's, she's a real nerd, um, she she's quoting Dune in her in her journal, so I don't know. I th- I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but she mentions, but more importantly, she mentions having quote the Phoebe bug, um, which we don't really know like fully what that is at this point. But she does mention like it's very important that you do not touch this horrible, disgusting brown goo. Um, I don't know. She so so they get that and they're like, "Wow, that's that's kind of odd." Um, and they're 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 kind of trying to leave. Um, there there's there's a little bit of um, they, they they at this point Miller's kind of trying to. I think he knows who these people are now, and he's he's interested in the fact that they they were looking for someone tied into uh, the scopuli thing. So he's. His his curiosity in the his residual curiosity in the Julie Mao case is is causing him to to want to you know work something out about you know being going with them at least a little bit longer so he could find out more information find out what they know. Um, but as as all this is happening, 
they receive a message from the OPA indicating that there is a mole um, in their organization that uh, they they fed the information to the to the death squad that came to to kill them at the hotel, and uh, and that the the death squad had succeeded in 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 uh, securing uh, Julie's cor- uh, corpse to create some kind of bioweapon. They said something like stage three will be commencing shortly or something like that. Um, and so that that's that's pretty that's another big hint like oh something really really bad is happening with the police and i think is a, i think i can safely say that the this death squad um they they were not just known to the police but were part were they were essentially part of the police at that point we can i think we can pretty comfortably make that connection um anyway so after shortly after that they're talking and there, there's they start to hear these uh, these sirens going off and these very blown, muffled speakers. This it, this is a, such a well written passage. Um, like if you've ever been in any kind of like chaotic situation, it really captures it very well. Like the people rushing around in a semi panic, the speakers that are supposed to be telling you what information to know you need to know. They're all. They're all pretty blown, and they, they they sound you know they sound very muddy, and there's just a lot of confusion. People rushing around. Um, so anyway, they're they're trying to the the station is going into lockdown, and they say that there is a it was a um, there was some sort of radiation um, spreading, and the, the, everybody needs to get to these radiation shelters, which which um, at this point they're kind of the the crew of the. Um, of the the Rocinante and uh, Miller, they're they're talking, and uh, it's a, kind of at this point that Miller he sees one of these um, security guys, um, and he he realizes that this is a person that he had busted previously uh, on on Sarah Station for a crime a few years back, and then he kind of looks closer and he realizes that that riot gear that he's wearing is actually also from Sarah Station. So that's that's kind of um, that they're like that's they're really having this moment of um, it's further and further like as you as the reader you're like oh you know you're 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 really coming into the you're getting this sinking feeling as you realize that this whole place something is is very wrong here um, and so they're 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 basically they're they're talking about what to do and it's it's kind of funny Miller and and Holden, as they're talking, they have a a little bit of a back and forth about um, Miller is, is like, so when you accused Mars of, and then he's like, I didn't actually didn't accuse Mars of anything, and is it, it's just it's kind of it was kind of funny their little back and forth there. It's, it's showing they're still their residual um, differing perspectives about the whole Scopuli uh, Canterbury incident. It, um, it's kind of it's pretty much paid play for laughs, um, but. Like like Dusty mentioned before, um, they were they they were talking and they're like, yeah, well, it's kind of curious about what's happening. Yeah, me too. And maybe we could go take a look. You know, they so they go on their little their little bro mission to go investigate what's happening, what's caused the station wide alert um, for why why things are are going so wrong. And uh, they agree with Naomi. They're they're uh, they tell her that. And and the rest of the crew, but Naomi is like pretty much the second in command. She's the EXO, 
So a lot of the stuff that that comes from, uh, at least Holden, anyway, he's communicating to her, and she's kind of speaking for the crew. And she's kind of agreeing on their behalf in, in this instance. Like, okay, we're going to go, you know, for... Was it two hours or three hours? I think she agreed to wait for two hours. It was three. Oh, was it three? I think she... So, I think she agreed to wait for three hours. And he's like, if we're not back, you need to get out of here. And she's like, okay, I'll do that. And then he's like, okay, good. Well, make sure you do that. And then she's like, yep. So there's it's it's kind of again this kind of little it's it kind of uh, gets back into what we we talked about the last time this little sort of like teasing back and forth between the two of them it's 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 you know this sort of like will they won't they thing but it, it feels like at this point you're like okay it seems like she's she's kind of out on um, on Holden which is you know okay she's you know there's there's it's a pretty fraught relationship. Uh, relative, if, when you think about all the things that are happening. So anyway, uh, they start to take off on their their little their bro mission, uh, Miller and Holden. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're. I don't really know if they necessarily have a plan on what they're doing, other than just what's going on. Let's Look, find out. <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever has a plan in this book, except for the bad guys, it seems. And even then. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they their plan is to go figure out as best as they can what's going on, what what's with these radiation shelters that they're leading people to. Why are they doing this? Because there is no radiation leak. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's an important thing. Uh, throughout this whole conversation, they were talk, they were looking at their hand terminals and they were saying, "Yeah, that's weird. Our, our my terminal does read zero radiation." Yeah, so they they come upon. Uh, a group of people being led into a radiation chamber. It gets locked, and uh, the the all the guards leave except for two. Leave except for two that are guarding it. And so then they have they hatch this plan to be like, we need to get in there. We need to see what's going on. So they go out, and Holden's like, hey, whoa, wait, we need to get in there. Oh, we got turned around. You know, we we're, we're not from here. <laughs> and that's not really working. So Miller kills one, and. The uh, other one, he's like, hey, uh, go ahead and open that door. And so the dude opens the door, and they tell him to walk in. He walks in and drops immediately. And they realize a little too late that it, that room is being flooded with radiation. So they get hit with it, and they can't close the door in time. And so now they have been infected with a high dose of radiation sickness. Yeah, that that's um, that that's basically becomes a, like a secondary source of tension as they're going through. Like you see, their health starts to deteriorate as they're on this mission. So now the plan is okay. We need to somehow make it back to Naomi and the crew. However, it's not just as simple as we'll just walk back the way we came because now there are more guards that are in between them. So they hatch this plan where they find another set of guards and Miller kills one and shoots the other in the gut and it's someone that he had arrested years prior and that's a fun little interaction where he's just like you remember me I arrested you on Sarah station and he's like oh yeah how's it going detective and you get that that fun little awkward conversation and then so Miller mm-hmm. shoots him in the stomach 
and the plan is to essentially use him as a way to get past some guards. They come upon some guards. And Miller's like, what the hell are you guys doing? There's some some rebellious people. They killed one of the guards and injured this one. We need to take him to uh, we need to take him to uh, medical. And oh, I, I should I should also say the the first guard that he talked to that he sent into the radiation chamber. That's when he learned that this was all set up by Protogen. To uh, like Protogen used to have the contract on Eris, and they essentially set up and trained these guys that were brought in, these criminals that were brought in from Sarah Station, given the riot gear, and they were set up to do some sort of job there that they were going to be building towards. So Miller, when he's talking to the guards while he's holding the guy and saying, hey, there's these rebel people that shot shot him and killed the other guy, they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm from Protogen. And that is able to actually pass for them so the guards leave and they're able to continue and they eventually make it back to the the maintenance hatch and this dude's the, the dude they're lugging around has long since died so they just they just lug them they just throw them away and they open the hatch and everyone is gone the crew has left them yeah because they were like five they were five minutes late but they were they were pretty explicit about during this conversation with uh Naomi, they're like, look, don't, do not wait, leave in, leave it on time, you know. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, Holden makes it a point to name Naomi. Hey, uh, we're gonna be three hours if we're not back in three hours, and she's like, yep, don't be a hero, and he's like, don't be a hero, and they get back in I think it's like three hours and five minutes, and he's like, what the fuck? She left us. Yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was pretty. That was I think that was moderately amusing, but I could just imagine being in that circumstance, like that sinking feeling, just like oh crap, I'm dying of radiation poisoning. There's all these guys out there that are looking to kill me. Um, it you know just the just a, a per, truly profound sense of helplessness in that moment. And um, oh, another thing that, uh, that that happened during this this time that's kind of interesting. Is like Mill. We start to see, and this is what I was talking about earlier. Like, there's like a little bit of interesting um, texture to Miller as a character, where he's he's like he's thinking about, you know, he's he's become close quarter killer Miller over here. He's kill he's killed like I don't know three people at this point. I think he kills a few more, but he's he's but he's like thinking about it, and he's like. Um, you know, I've always been pretty unaffected by the by killing people. He and he like thinks back to the, the first time he killed someone when he was like 22 or something like fresh, fresh out of the academy and all that. He's like basically he's always been kind of like blasé about this, and that now even doing it, he he's it, he almost feels like a kind of pleasure or like or he or he says or at least a brief cessation of pain. Yeah, because he sees this he sees this as taking vengeance on Julie. Yeah, he's he's doing this like to it's he he views it as like yeah, taking uh, vengeance on Julie's behalf. So now at this point we have both sides of of the story here looking to get revenge. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually you know, I never really looked at it in that exact way, but yeah, that that is what's happening. It's these Really, the, the 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 whole all crew characters, but particularly Holden and Miller, are kind of joined on these like intersecting journeys of revenge. 
And, um, you know, he's, he's that last little thought about a couple things, quick thoughts about Miller before we get back to the plot. But he's, he starts to now, um, he, he, he kind of, as like a, like a follow up to, um, all of this violence and stuff. He's like, he's thinking about it. He's like, you know, in all of these moments, I could justify them to myself. They seemed logical. But if you look back at the sum totality of it, like all of the death that he's left in his wake, all of the, you know, all of the choices that he's made in his life, they just like he he's saying you know if this was my partner telling me all of this I would tell them that they've lost you know they've lost it that they've gotten um, you know that they've gone off the deep end and that I think I found that to be a very interesting passage it's like it, it, very very telling very human uh, this idea of how how we judge other people by you know the the externalities by the results but we judge our own actions by our intentions so. In all of these moments, he's able to justify himself to himself, but he's, you know, he's he looks like in the abstract, he realizes he's lived this very violent and dissipated life. And uh, last last little psychoanalysis of Miller here, he starts to imagine um, Julie like embracing him as well. So it's not like this one sided limerence for this. Um, for this this fictionalized version of Julie, but he is now starting to imagine her like as as a romantic partner, as his like she's like um, almost like become Joy in um, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That kind of situation going on. Yeah, I kind of I kind of missed the mark on that one with uh, with Miller being in love with Julie. Well, I mean, I I think it was it was a fair interpretation at at the time, but I think they definitely have moved in. You can definitely see he's moved into a uh, a more romantic mode of engaging with his delusion, his 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 imaginary Julie. Yeah, and I do think it's important to note that he is in love with this construct that he has created of Julie, not the actual Julie who is now dead. Yeah, that's very true. Like he he knows he only knows her in a very fractional way not like all of this is really like a creation and delusion really if we're going to be brutally honest about it in in his mind like this this fictionalized julie like she's that may may not bear any real resemblance to the the person uh whatsoever and did you notice uh this is jumping back a bit uh, Julie has now officially, and has been for some time now, she has officially taken the place of Candace inside his head. Uh, you know, she so took Candace's place, I'd never even, I totally forgot about Candace until this very moment. Because if you remember early on in the story, I don't think we ever went into this, he has his imaginations of Candace, which I can only assume is his ex-wife, uh... He has this this image of Candace in his head who will scold or approve of actions that he does, but I don't remember if she ever actually talks to him like that, and Julie at this point is talking to and interacting with him in his head. So she has replaced and encapsulated imaginary Candace at this point. That is kind of an interesting point and does kind of speak to another uh, layer of Miller's character. Yeah. So now, with the crew gone, the 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 quest is now shifted from get back to the crew to get back to the ship, and that is not going to be an easy task. They they make it down to the casino, which is what they have to go through in order to get to the elevator to get back to the to the ship itself. 
and there's a massive crowd of people there because people were led either to the casino level or to the radiation shelters and so there's a huge 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 amount of people here thousands of people down here at this point and they're trying to find a way to get through the crowd and somehow make it to the to the Rossi and suddenly riots erupt and people are going crazy attacking the cops the cops are shooting them down and one of the cops kills a kid and Holden's response is to just brute rush the guy firing wildly forgetting Miller's advice to aim for their neck because that's where the armor the armor doesn't cover uses up all of his ammo and the dude's about to kill him and then Miller shoots him in the neck and he's like I told you to shoot them in the neck come on man I just there's a lot of really cool um, like the action sequences. I mean, I think I think there is something to be said about Miller's um, his his realization about about violence and and maybe to a certain extent our enjoyment of watching this character be violent. But there is all it is pretty amusing like seeing all of the, his little quippy like I told you shoot them in the neck and like shooting a guy in the leg and then shooting them and they fall and then they shoot him in the head you know that kind of stuff it's just it's it's very well written uh action um in in the story here yeah so they make their way almost to the uh the elevators and there's just a line of guards with machine guns just guarding it and that's when the zombies appear they're kind of stuck they're watching like like dusty was saying they're they're watching you know, a few waves of these people kind of get mowed down, and they're kind of trying to figure out what to do. The radiation is starting to get to them. They're like they're coughing and spitting out blood, and they're like, "Oh, that's that's really bad." Um, when they start to see emerging from this hallway, these shambling people, um, they're walking, they're and they're they're vomiting this disgusting brown bile. And it's it's at this point that um, that they they remember you know this this thing that um, that that it had been in Julie's notes that th- whatever this um, this virus is that it, it feeds on radiation or it's it's it experiences ex- exponential growth uh, when exposed to radiation so these people have all become these walking shambling plague carrier basically zombies like vomit zombies going through the crowd um and zombies if you will as, yes the the, the zombies <laughs> start to cut, emerge from every um every sort of hallway into this into the big this big uh concourse where where the crowds are and the the, the mercenaries are and um it's just this very gut-wrenching moment because they're sitting up on this level on this look you know overlooking all this happening and there's a pachinko these pachink these very loud pachinko machines um like pounding in their ears and this this the, they're seeing the crowd like start to like 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 f- if you've ever seen like a bunch of deer uh, or or any kind of prey animal like they start to how the how they start to like shrink back and then start to turn and bolt and it's becoming total this total chaotic scene um, they see, you know, the zombies start to approach. Some of them, you know, they're being killed by the the mercenaries now. They they see there there starts to be a distinction around this time of like who like the police um, of the station and and this group that they refer to as the mercenaries. And the mercenaries are, as Dusty mentioned, like you you they were the people that trained 
um, they were the protogen guys that trained um, for this, trained the police for this situation. Anyway, they you they can from where they're sitting, they start to see they're pulling out that the the mercenaries, but they're not panicking either. They seem to kind of even know what's going on. So they're like, oh crap. So they're they're like, okay, well if they're going and they know what's going on, we need to we need to follow them. And we need to so follow them going. before anyone else realizes this too. Yeah, yeah, they they make that point. Uh, so as they're going along, they start they see like all these kind of these these very sad scenes of like, you know, women you know being, you know, grabbed by the by the zombies and covered in this terrible sludge and you know all these things going on. There's there's you know all this all this chaos and death, but they as they start to close in on the mer- the mercenaries, they see from a distance that they're stop they're stuck in one place and they're 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 in this uh argument and they're they're kind of not sure what's going on they're like that's weird that there's this sort of internal dissension uh within within these groups um and then there's like this this lone casino ramble a uh, reveler zombie zombie <laughs> walking towards them and miller's about to uh miller's about to kill this guy and Holden kind of takes this as a moment to say, "You don't don't kill this guy. He's just an innocent victim, you know, like all we are, and like we all are." And you know, Mil- uh, to which um, Miller's like, "Well, killing him is is you know basically doing him a favor." And then uh, to which Holden says, "Well, you don't get to decide that," um, which is like. A, 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 a very it's in, that's there's an interesting philosophical um, a difference in the philosophical outlooks here that we see in these characters again we see Holden who as we've seen before he has this very um, idealistic uh, outlook on the world and you see Miller who's very jaded and very um, he's like well you know he he does and but also very um, cavalier you know, in his way of, like, disregard of, like, the use of violence. So, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot to think about in that, um, in that, in, in that sequence. Like, you know, who's, you know, who's right, who's wrong. You know, they're like, you know, you, he's not really a threat to us. We can just keep walking, you know, just, just what, I think he literally says that he's like, just walk faster. <laughs> um, so they're, so they, they, um, so they 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 continue on the path and then they see down at this towards the end of this hallway basically just in front of where they need to get to to get to the the Rocinante um they see uh, a firefight breaks out between the mercenaries and the 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 cops slash Sarah station thugs um they they see there they start a firefight starts to break out right there um so they're they're basically they're they're kind of watching from a distance like this thing that you know this thing kick off and they're they they're like okay well they're I can I can tell that the shots are coming from further and further off they they were they were like at very close range but they're they're they seem to be kind of backing up a little bit and as this is happening they see this group of stragglers from the uh, the thugs the camp starts to come by and uh, so. So they're like, oh, wait a minute. They so they they basically realize at this point, one, they can get some armor, and two, that might be their inn. They can they could use it as camouflage. 
So they uh, they ambush the the thugs and they 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 kill them and they take their armor. It's a little bit bl- splattered with blood, but they're they're like, well, look, we we don't really we don't, they're going to be at a distance. We're we're what we hope we can do is we can just run through the corridor and hope that at least one side doesn't shoot at us because we're going to be wearing their armor. And so, I mean, it's not the best plan. Let's let's be honest. But it, it is basically the only um, only thing left to them as the the this the horde of zombies slowly follows them through you know through this hallway and as the you know they're running out of time so in absence of a good plan a bad plan uh any plan will do so so they go and they, they basically they're they run and they're like yeah they uh miller tries to radio ahead to the thug he's like okay don't shoot we're we're coming through we're you know something like that and as they're running um they get shot like three or four times and it, it mentions like in the in the low gravity of the uh, of near the um, near where the ships are there uh, I think Miller is thrown against a wall and hits the wall and then has to like crawl the rest of the way um, to the door of uh, where where the uh, Rosinante is being kept. Yeah, which I mean, there's only like one shot a piece that actually does something to them. Uh, Holden gets shot in the calf and Miller gets shot in the arm. Everything else either hits their armor or is just it doesn't really hit like affect them yeah they're in rough shape but they're not like immediately in critical condition yeah. they're they're at least able to crawl to the door um so they they get to the they get to the door and uh they 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 open it they're they're just barely able to get into the rosinante when they see amos and it's this very big, this big moment. They're like, we're like, oh, thank God. And uh, this is something that I might, I might want some clarification or at least your opinion on how. I, I wonder how, um, how the crew of the Rocinante got from where they were to the, um, from where they were to like, to get back to the, the the main place where the state the ships are. In the Rocinante, I guess they didn't. They didn't really explain that, but I was, I was, I was very surprised by the fact that they were still there. My guess, I mean, I feel like it's it's one of two things. One, they made it to the casino level and were able to make it through before the Mercs posted up and blocked off the port, because after they actually were following the Marines through, uh, there were signs of people being back there. We do see that the the Marine the the, the Mercs are uh, shooting anybody that gets in their path on the way to wherever they're going. So there are people back there. So my guess would be either they were one of the people that were able to make it back there before the Mercs posted up, or two, they somehow found a way through the maintenance tunnel to get to where they needed to go. I don't know if that's something that's going to ever be addressed or not, but that's just kind of where I think it probably went. Yeah, it was was something like I guess it's not truly important to the plot, but it was something I did wonder. So anyway, they... uh they they survive um but they're in really really rough shape uh, they they basically they they're in these like these medical beds um you know naomi is you know mentions that they had to use basically half of their medical supplies to keep them alive because again they were they were um exposed to a lot of radiation um I think one of them lost like a foot and a half of their colon, you know, or their small intestine, something like that. 
yeah, they were, they were basically they were basically dead. <laughs> they were really they were really on death's door uh, when they when they uh, got on board the ship. Yeah, Naomi, Naomi even says that the uh, the automated uh, med dock essentially put them on hospice multiple times and was trying to pump them full of morphine to kill them, and they had to override it the, the triage the automatic triage they had to override it so it would stop trying to kill them peacefully. <laughs> yeah. So they 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 uh, they managed to you know they're they're kind of waking up they're they're stuck in the beds, um, and they kind of pass in and out of consciousness, and we see kind of Miller in a daze, kind of like hearing uh, hearing Holden and Naomi talk, and uh, you know he's he's kind of like he's he's piecing together as we are at the time that. This is one of those kind of talks that are not they're they're you, where you can see where it's heading. It's it's a uh, Holden is about to kind of confess his feelings uh, to to uh, Naomi because we, we've seen this will they won't they kind of thing, and I think I guess in in this sort of um, and we've seen Holden kind of express you know have this growing um, attachment to Naomi that he expresses. Um, Especially as they've gone through all these these traumatic incidents, and I guess this was the the traumatic incident that broke the the camel's back, and so he's you know he's like I I will uh, you know I will I'm going to regret if I don't tell you this, and she's basically pleading with him, trying to give him an out, trying to get him to not say what she knows he's going to say, and even Miller, who's like in a state of semi consciousness semi consciousness, is like no don't do it don't do it <laughs> and um so he's you know but anyway holden eventually you know says i'm in love with you naomi and then there was just like this very very brief pause and she's like no no sir you aren't and it, so it's it's like this moment where you're like you're getting all this this second hand not if not embarrassment you you, you really feel for this guy because he's you know that 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 is a that is a big moment, and you know it just just to fall flat like that. So anyway, she but she lays out some very very sensible reasons why she doesn't feel like she wants to be with him. She mentions you know that um, you know he's he does have this tendency uh, Holden does to um, form these very very fast. You know, you know, very in a very quick way, he forms these emotional attachments. You know, he gets he gets um, to this the very the very passionate state, but then like very quickly, he he basically like backs it off, and and she's kind of seen this pattern as she's served on the ship basically longer than he has. She's she saw when she saw when he had he joined the crew as the XO and and even been in consideration for the exo position herself so she kind of didn't like him at first then then she saw this kind of recurring pattern of behavior that that he's like you know he comes on strong but then he kind of like dennis systems away from these these girls um and then he's um then she kind of talks about like you know even i you know fell for you but you know you're 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 just it, because she's like you were 
even though you could tell that the, there were a lot of people that were attracted to you, you and you weren't necessarily attracted to them, you still treated them decently. Um, which seems like a low bar, but you know, uh, uh, being the you know having lived a little bit of life, you know there and having seen some some very cruel people, you know there there is something to be said for Holden there that he is you know he does treat people, even if his the, the his patterns of behavior and relationships are a little bit um, avoidant and maybe a little caddish, uh, he he always tends to leave on relatively good terms with these women. So I think he is, you know, at heart, a probably a pretty good person, but he has a hard time um, differentiating between this sort of sense of attraction, this sense of, like, um, romantic or maybe sexual intrigue with a person, and, and, like, genuine feelings. You know, he has a hard time differentiating between that. And that's where Naomi really comes down. She's like... I need you to figure out whether this is just like a little passing like fascination or like if you're if this is going to be for real. And they they basically they basically leave it at that. And then she kind of she kind of um Miller just kind of coughs at the worst possible time after basically Miller with a very relatable trying to hold in a cough at the worst possible moment and then it exploding out of him in a very uh, awkward way. And then she's like, oh, you know, hi, hi, Detective Miller. And she's, you know, talks a little bit about their their health care, you know, you know the, the things that have happened to them. Anyway, she she leaves pretty shortly after that. And um, so the, after they're, they're they're kind of in there. You know, after after she leaves, they're kind of sitting there and they're in their thoughts, and they talk a little bit. And this is another nice moment where we see the differing uh, sort of like values and psychologies of these respective characters, uh, Holden and Miller, where they they Miller is talk. You know, uh, Holden kind of is talking a little bit about you know how how Miller killed so many people. Like on he saw Miller kill like five people on the station. And it's kind of rubbing him the wrong way a little bit, you can tell. And uh, Holden is just kind of... They, they kind of talk a little bit about what it means to take a life. And um, Holden actually admits that he's also killed people. But in a very... Through the abstraction of, like, he's... He was a, he was part of the Earth, Mil, uh, Earth Navy. And he kind of... The way he, he killed people was by blowing up their craft. He, he he refers to there's um you know they they were just dots on a scope essentially so he's kind of he still feels like this and I think maybe that's partially why he has this sort of um this very strong aversion to killing not not just because that's like the 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 sane natural and morally correct way of looking at things I think that there is a a, a certain he realizes that despite this despite the fact that it is abstracted through this um you're not seeing the person that you're killing you're just seeing the the results on your on your screen i think he there's something about it still though that is really stuck to him i do think that is a perfect uh distinction between holden and miller too it's a great uh way to show where holden is at morally still yeah yeah, it's a, it's a very good sequence. It's one of um as 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 good as like the the action and the 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 
the zombie part of the book, Real Page Turner, on, on the night that I read through it, I definitely had just one more chapter syndrome. I was like, I was like, I was like, uh, you know, it was past my bedtime and I was like, okay, well, but I'll just read one more chapter. I'll just read one more chapter. I'll just, until they finally got on to the Rocinante. Um, but anyway, to wrap up the, uh, the, but it was, but that part actually is maybe one of the better parts of the book in terms of from a writing perspective, when you really get to see, you know, these two men that ostensibly are very different and the way they present themselves and choose to look at themselves is very different but in, there is there is a certain commonality there that is that is a uh, very interesting anyway so that that, that part of the conversation kind of dies down and miller um he's like hey just so you know you know i did kind of hear that whole thing with naomi and uh you really ought to. You owe it to yourself to really make the effort to to be with Naomi. To you know, to hear hear out what she's saying, and you know, be with her for the right reasons. And Holden is, you know, as one would expect, very embarrassed by this, and he just kind of acts. Um, he's like, yeah, why, why don't we just drop that? And I was like, all right, well, fair enough. And then as he's kind of drifting off to sleep. He has this this moment with with Julie, with the imaginary Julie, where she she tells him that that uh, she loves him too, and there's like as he's drifting off to sleep. So I I don't know. I think that's that's kind of um we we've seen we've seen kind of like I don't know maybe maybe they're in that moment maybe it was just an in the moment comparison, you know this this idea of like because he's thinking about these things and he his. Uh, imaginary julie is like a reflection of that i would like to kind of see like from a macro standpoint you know does the the progression of the or is there any sort of correlation in any way between like the the imaginary relationship between uh julie and miller and there were the the relationship between uh holden and naomi that's something that i i might want to keep an eye on uh, as we go along yeah, I feel like we're at a, a another major juncture point in this in this book where we've we've gotten our first major bit of real exposition for lack of a better term of where the story is going and what everything seems to be leading toward and we have our heroes finally meeting up. So I feel like we are essentially now at the setup for the final act of the book now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair to say. It's and I don't know. I I I'm very intrigued. Um this whole this whole Phoebe uh virus is uh I don't know. That was that was pretty cool. Um the, just the whole like the, it was very it was very well written, very um like I said I couldn't I I literally just blew past my bedtime um for several, by by like an hour and a half or something cuz I just I literally just could not stop reading so you know i gotta give a lot of props to um to the to the authors for that it's just it's it's just very exciting and i'm very interested to uh see where this goes yeah me too it's uh it's just a really good book man i'm having so much fun reading it yeah i remember texting you when i was reading as like it's i i something like it's kicking off you know because i was like i was just reading i was like 
Oh man, I can't wait for Dusty to read it. He's he's he, he's gonna lose his mind. This is gonna be like, you know, I was I I, I knew you'd love it, so I was like I was very excited for this weekend to to kind of uh, so we can kind of share our, our our thoughts about about where everything is going. See, I guess that'll do it for us this week. Yep, yep. Uh, that was uh, we are on, we ended on uh, page three twenty. So. Let's see. Try to try to get another hundred and twenty pages in for next time. So maybe we, that should take us to uh, about four forty. So if anybody is reading along with us, you know we'll be doing uh, chapter thirty three through chapter forty three, ending on the first first page of uh, chapter forty four. So I don't know. I'm very excited to see where this is going next. Oh man, me too. All right. Well, thank you everybody for uh, for listening and tuning in. And we will see you next time. Take care.